This podcast is sponsored by FHE Health and their Shatterproof Program for First Responders. I am so excited to have my next guest on the show, Dr. David Bonanno. He is a clinical psychologist that's been in the business for a very long time, and he is the freshest, boldest voice in trauma psychology today. And he states the following, our mental health system, it completely fails people with PTSD. They are usually misdiagnosed, and then the pharmaceuticals and talk therapy they receive are not effective. Now, Dr. Bonanno states he has PTSD, and he understands it better than just about anyone. And he is working to give people real help. You do not want to miss this episode. Dr. David Bonanno, next on the CJ Evolution Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the top-ranked CJ Evolution podcast. I am Patrick, host and creator. If you are a new listener, welcome. We know you're going to love the show. Long-time listener, welcome back, and thank you for the support after all these years. Special thanks to you, the first responder, the criminal justice professional, whatever you were doing, wherever you were at, thank you for doing it. And remember this, you are honored, cherished, and above all, you are loved. Keep up the fantastic work. And for those of you venturing to Las Vegas in the next day or two to attend the FOP National Conference in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand, I will be there along with a couple colleagues and we will have our shatterproof booth. Please stop by and say hi. Folks, if you are struggling or you know somebody who is, pick up the phone right now and give me a call. I am a national liaison, an outreach liaison for FHE Health and their Shatterproof Program for First Responders. I attended this program a couple years ago, and it saved my life. I know it can work wonders for you and help you tremendously if you are struggling. 303-960-9819 is my number. All calls are confidential. What makes Shatterproof a very unique program is it's one of the only programs in the country that first responders can go to that is 100% all first responders. Everybody's in pretty bad shape when they get here. And then 30 days later, when you can see the transformation and the difference in people when they've had 30 days uh, of counseling, working with therapists, working with a psychiatrist, getting the neuro treatment, doing the breath therapy that's done here. The transformation that happens with the clients is really humbling to be able to work around and see because people are getting better here. And it just shows that there's a need for the first responder community to deal with behavioral health issues and take them seriously and offer treatment to people that may need help out there. They should be afforded the ability to come get help when they need help. It has gotten better, but we still have a long way to go. Hello, everybody. So excited to have my next guest on the show, Dr. David Bonanno. He is the freshest, boldest voice in trauma psychology today. And he's on the show. That's right, Joe. Welcome, doctor. <laughs> I should have asked you before we started, do I call you doctor or Dave or David or Dr. Bonanno or yes, sir? <laughs> no dave dave is great <laughs> well i always want to be respectful you know i mean especially when people you know have advanced degrees and they're doctors such as yourself so i'll call eh. you 
Uncle, I think those, those people are, I'm not stuffy like those people. <laughs> so you have, uh, you know, uh, a moniker, you're the, another moniker, you're the number one medical marijuana psychologist in America. How did That's you right. get, and I, I, I'm, I, I don't have any beefs against marijuana, but how did you, how, how did you get that, that title? Right. So in 2016, I had some clients start to ask me for a letter uh, certifying that they had PTSD because in Connecticut, you had to have a PT that was the only mental health condition that qualified people for PT for uh, medical marijuana. Yeah. And then um, I didn't even know that I had PTSD at the time because, you know, I, and that's one of the things I'd love to talk about is how constricted Absolutely. everybody, uh, their, their understanding of it is. But anyway, my I was trying to think of a niche of who I wanted to work with. And I was thinking, like, should I be like the anxiety guy? But anxious people kind of <laughs> irritate me. And and, and I, I asked my wife and she's like, well, you love potheads. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, I actually started a business where. I over um, the past seven years in 21 different states, I've been helping people by evaluating them for PTSD. Yeah. And then if they do have it, then directing them to a medical doctor who can certify them. And so, yeah, I personally have talked to over 10,000 people with oh PTSD God. in the last yeah. seven years. So I have like a 10,000 view that I think most people don't have. Yeah. And, that, and that's amazing. And, you know, I mean, I, I think that there are huge medicinal benefits to to cannabis and marijuana. You know that, doctor. And it's amazing how things have changed, you know, since when I was a cop, you know, not well, I retired in 2019. But when I first started, you know, there's this evil stigma behind marijuana. I mean, I guess it depends on where you're at. There still might be. But it, it yeah. really is beneficial to uh a lot of people, millions of people for anxiety, like you said, PTSD. You know, I want to want to ask, well, I want to dive into PTSD in a, in a minute. But, you know, I remember as a cop, doctor, I mean, I, I went to a lot of calls and I never, ever have been to a fight, active fight, <laughs> active aggression where people just high on on marijuana. I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but usually there's right. something else on board, alcohol, cocaine, meth or whatever. Uh, you know, usually high people are just hungry and they're laughing. <laughs> yeah, isn't that something? <laughs> I was telling my wife that, uh, you know, if I was helping people to get cocaine, then I'd, I'd probably be talking to a bunch of assholes, but at least they'd remember their appointments and they'd be right on time. <laughs> now, that's a great you mentioned PTSD. That That's a great this is a great uh, part to bring it up. We've all heard about it. Uh, but for the listener, well, I shouldn't say we all, if the listener hasn't heard about PTSD, what the hell is PTSD? Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that because, you know, what? I think just about nobody knows the answer to that question. And if you go online to look it up, you see the same definition on every website. Mm -hmm. And it's not a definition. It's just a list of symptoms. Mm -hmm. And even the DSM-5, which is the clinical yeah. diagnostic manual that psychologists use, it's really just a whole bunch of criteria. And you, you kind of have to have like 19 out of 19. And if you have 18, then you have nothing. And it's so like, we all kind of have that 
um, archetype in our mind of like the you know broken down veteran who's uh, homeless and and of course they do have it but there's so many other people out there who do and and I hear horror stories Pat and you know they'll see their doctor and their doctor's like well let's call it anxiety and we'll give you a whole bunch of pills and then we'll give you some pills yeah. for the side effects of the other pills but what I the way that I break down PTSD and sometimes I get people who resonate with that so strongly that they're they they really like have a reaction to it is it's just simply that your fight or flight system is overactive it never really shuts off and that means that you have a certain amount of adrenaline all mm -hmm. the time and so a lot of times it's a healthy response to an unhealthy situation or in your case it's it's a healthy response to, to the demands of your career yeah but I think that's what what makes it so hard when you're not working to slow down your thoughts or to relax or to sleep is just simply because you have too much adrenaline. Yeah. And we're going to talk about adrenaline uh, in, in a little bit and how you can use that um, to your advantage. You know, but I want to I want to I want to talk about uh, that in, in a couple minutes. But now let me ask you this, Dave. I mean, you're a psychologist, you're a doctor. You've been doing this a long time. Um I've heard because now I work in behavioral health, as you probably know, for yeah. you know, helping first responders and vets. I've heard that the the the, the term PTSD, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, we're kind of getting away from the last word disorder. And I've heard and you probably heard, you know, know what I'm going to say. We're now a lot or I shouldn't say were, but a lot of people are referring it to as an illness rather than a disorder, because now there's a stigma behind the word disorder. You've, you've heard of that, right? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yes, uh, I agree with that. I mean, you know, a lot of the work I do is helping people to understand that they're not choosing to be the way they are. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's an automatic involuntary phenomenon. But you know what? I, I really would love to coin a new term, which would be that people are adrenalized. Yeah. And and because you know it sounds a lot better <laughs> but but also um you know as a first responder you're you do you see and experience horrible things but that's not the only thing that's at work there i think that just doing your job and having to be as hyper vigilant as you have to be is a, is the other pathway to that condition that i call being adrenalized and yeah if we could if we could call it that then wouldn't it be great to, to be able to just really be able to talk about it and get to work? I mean, there's a lot of people who I talk to even who are not first responders, but they don't want to be diagnosed with PTSD because they don't want to be seen as comparing themselves to war heroes. And that was actually my first thought when I realized I had PTSD. So yeah, if we could call it being adrenalized, then you could understand how it's really not your choice. It's not your fault. You're not crazy. It's just a certain... So it's just a, it's that, just like a like a, a term, you know, an alternative term, like you've said, you know, instead right. of, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like when I talk to, for example, firefighters, I'll I'll say, you know, so none of you guys can sleep. None of you guys can relax. Half of you want to get drunk all the time. What do you even tell yourselves? How do you explain that to yourselves? And nobody ever has an answer. So. You know, I'm sure people hear from their superiors like, oh, you should talk about stuff or, you know, like we got it out or whatever. And I mean, yeah, that's that's helpful. But if we could really have like one term that encapsulated what's going on, 
then we could take a, we could demystify the whole thing and take away the stigma and then people could just say like yeah i'm adrenalized i can't freaking relax and now maybe we can go to work on what to do about that why do you think and i and i love that i mean why do you think it's just it's so the medical community and you know the like psychology professionals i mean you're you're you seem like you're a more forward thinker and you're like we need to quit you know we need to come up with alternative names for this because there is right. a lot of stigma behind it. Why do you think there's such resistance to that? Just because it's been out there for so long or what? Have you ever heard that quote, science advances as its members die? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So what you're saying, it's just, this is a bunch of old guys and women that are kind of like, you know, it's always been this way. We can't change it. Yeah, I, I think people get so committed to what they believe. And and yeah, like I mean, psychology itself is kind is a pretty young field. Yeah. And and then even the concept of PTSD wasn't really around until the Vietnam War. So yeah, I mean, we're still evolving. And I, I do pride myself on being a forward thinker and, and I, I do want to be at the forefront of uh trying to uh, of this paradigm shift that we really do need to have. Yeah. So I mean like and and I'll, I'll I'll tell you, uh, Pat. Like, for me myself, the reason I became a psychologist is to figure out what the hell is wrong with me. Yeah. And I didn't really, just like any, everybody else who becomes therapist, pretty much. And I didn't really get the answers from school or my professors or the books. And then when I realized that I actually had PTSD, it it was ten years after I got my doctorate. So so what I'm the reason I'm bringing this up is because even my own thinking. It took quite a long time. I'm 52 years old to evolve into what it is. And I'm really grateful for the opportunity to have talked to yeah, just a massive amount of people. And then I started to see trends over time and just sort of put things together in my head. Yeah, you know, there's like a like trauma is the biggest topic in psychology, but you really kind of have the same people saying the same stuff and they're they're making a lot of money off of it. And I'm not saying that they're not open-minded, but like, you know. Like we, we, our understanding as, as a hu the human race of PTSD, it really needs to change. And, and I think it's dreadfully behind. Well, I, I and it may, when we first started talking, Dave, about marijuana, I mean, it makes me think of kind of along the same lines, how it took, you know, when they're, I mean, back in the thirties, there was reefer madness and all this other crap that was going on. You know, I mean, you remember, or you know, you read about that, about how you smoke dope and you die and you go crazy and you kill people. So I guess my point is, right. is that it, it's it's taken decades for people to start waking up and saying, look, there are medicinal benefits in, you know, to alternative therapies that we once looked at as taboo. I mean, they're doing ketamine now in treatment, yeah. I, 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 which is unbelievable. I remember arresting people for ketamine, special K on the street. <laughs> now in yeah. microdoses, as you know, doctor, I mean, now it's showing very, very good. They've done clinical studies and, and there's, it's very promising with PTSD patients. Absolutely. But I think that is a perfect analogy that you made that like marijuana had been illegal for like over a hundred years. And I grew up with just say no, Nancy Reagan and, and all that. And <laughs> so I never even, I, I, I mean, yeah, I thought I was like going to die if I tried. I didn't, I never <laughs> tried it until I was 25 years old. And uh, so, yeah, I, it just takes time, I guess. And I, and I know, I, I love what you said, Dave, about how, you know, we're all trying to, I mean, you used yourself an example as you were trying to figure out what, okay, what the hell, but it takes a while. I mean, it's a process. 
you know, there's not one size fits all. And it's going to take a while as we, like you said, people kind of retire or get out of the way for a newer generation to come in and say, all right, we need to change this. So we, you know, and kind of move forward progress. Yeah. So I try to tell people, so I, I developed my own therapy, Pat, and it, it uses eye movements. It's not EMDR. Yeah. It's, it's much, much better than EMDR, but when I try to talk to people about what it is, they just don't even know how to assimilate that into their body of knowledge <laughs> that they already have. So like I get people who would, they'd, they'd rather go with something known than unknown and just talk about the same stuff for, you know, seven years with the same therapist. And, you know, psychology started with Sigmund Freud in the 1880s with the idea, the assumption that the more you talk about your pain, the more you're releasing it. And, you know, like from personal experience as a client and as, a, as of course, on the other side of the couch or the room, but man, it, I think you're just rehearsing it after a while. You yeah, know? I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think from from my experience, Dave, I mean, going through therapy, I mean, I think, you know, it's it's good to talk about it I, from my opinion. I mean, you're the doctor, but I agree if you're talking about it all the time, all the time, all the time, it's just like you're kind of re-exposing yourself to that. I mean, you see it on online all the time with with certain people that they talk about their trauma over and over and over, not even online, but, you know, people, you you know, close friends or relatives. And it's like, OK, we get it. You've been through some shit. It's it's horrible. <laughs> but, you know, when you you know, I mean, everybody goes through stuff. But it, why are you talking about it all the time? It's just you're just reliving that. Well, so, you know, for your audience, people have to compartmentalize a lot in Absolutely. order to do their job. Yeah. Otherwise they'd be, feel, they'd go crazy. So, so I, what I liked when I was listening to your episode with, with John Kelly is how you guys were so comfortable talking about emotions and, and stuff that's not necessarily traditionally manly, you know? And so, yeah, for like, if, if that's where you're starting, then it is a great idea to go to talk therapy and just kind of learn how to talk about that stuff that you haven't been able to put words to. And I think what I'm kind of talking about are, are the people who have been in therapy for quite a while, um, like, of course, myself, who, yeah, like, once you, once you cover it as many times as you need to, then just re retreading it is not really going to help in my no, opinion. No, no, I, I agree. I mean, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, what's, what, you know, what's that going to do? And I think some of the reason why it doesn't change, Dave, and you, you, I'd love to hear your opinion is when you start introducing change or new modalities or new ways or new approaches, then you threaten people's like, you know, ego and their, you know, whoa, well, livelihood and what's going to happen to my, you know what I mean? I mean, am I making sense is, is, is that, change is uncomfortable for everybody but you have to roll with the times and you have to be innovative and have to look at new ways to treat people or we're not going to yeah. advance yeah you know i um i heard somebody say that people use their problems to feel special and and i think that often really does happen i i definitely did myself and it becomes part of your identity you know so so yeah like if you're expanding yourself as a person then by definition that does mean that you're you are changing and yeah it certainly could be scary for people at first yeah well i remember hearing a long time ago dave is is that you know if you really look at it people i can't remember who but people connect through pain you know through two other from two other people and i think the example sure, yeah. and again i can't remember who said this is if I meet you on the street, Dave, and, you know, 
you're like, Pat, how you doing? I'm great. I'm, you know, life is great. It's wonderful. And I'm going off. You probably look at me like I have a second head, maybe not you or somebody else. You'd be like, what the hell is wrong with him? <laughs> but if you come up to me, if we meet each other and you say, Pat, how's it going? Oh, man, life sucks. You know, I'm just feeling, oh, I know. I'm not saying you, but a lot of people would say, oh, I know, man, life sucks. You know, I, I mean, misery loves company. And it's like, you know, it's like we connect through that. You know what I mean? We yeah. like talking about our shit, which in some cases is good, but not all the time. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I, and I think a lot of times, yeah, you're right. Like people want to connect. And I'm I'm thinking about the ways that, for example, men and women typically connect within their marriage where like, you know, like I might ask my brother for some advice and he'll be like all right try this this and this and then i'm like okay fine but if but my wife doesn't want any type of answers at all she wants to connect with me and then for me to be like oh my gosh oh that's terrible oh wow whatever and so i <laughs> i'm really good at faking that <laughs> i think all men are <laughs> but but i mean also us guys too like we we certainly can connect by yeah. just you know talking about our situation but i guess like what therapy is really a lot of times designed to do is to get people to think about how they think like so you know to really go those deeper levels and, and to get more insight and that's the one thing i like like being in behavioral health the, the work i do of course i'm you know you're the expert but i've been haven't been doing it that long but since I'm in the field now, I mean, it, the, so much emphasis now is shifted towards the, the brain and focus, at least what I'm seeing and, you know, doing neurotherapy and, you know, neurofeedback and all these different, you know, just because we know so little or actually, we know, I can't remember, we know, we don't know that much about the brain. We're constantly learning, correct? Yeah, yeah, not really. <laughs> I, but, you know, uh, like, so, oh, go ahead. Well, if, yeah, if you don't mind, I, so I wrote a book. I, I want to talk to you about Robocat. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, that's my explanation of how the brain works. There's a lot of people who have tried to localize different functioning within the brain, you know, like for example, the pain center, there's, there's 44 different areas of the pain that can register uh, of the brain that can register pain. And so people have really wanted to look at the brain as a computer or a machine or something like that, but it is so complicated that I decided to kind of back up and just create a metaphor that that works to explain what's happening. And so, you know, there's there's two different brain systems that are at work at the same time. We have the mammalian fight or flight system, uh, which I call the cat brain. And then we have the, you know, the higher level um, forebrain, which I call the robot. And of course, we humans have wanted to identify with that reasonable part of ourselves for for a long time to separate ourselves from the animals but also of course you know you can have amazing results happen from cognitive behavioral therapy where you are simply able to change your thoughts and then you look at or you reframe a situation you look at it differently but my problem with that whole thing is that oftentimes people overextend the utility of that they think that it can fix any problem so you know like there's been so many times in my life and I'm, I'm a crazy guy. I've been through all kinds of stuff and people are like, well, why, why are you feeling this way? Why don't you just calm down? Why don't you just look at it differently? 
Well, if I'm surging with adrenaline and somebody mm -hmm. tells me to relax, that's that would be just as effective as as somebody who's surging, uh, who has who's full of alcohol and telling them, you know, really would make sense if you were just sober right now. It just <laughs> yeah, it, sure, know, good just, point. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. So yeah, with, with my book, I try to show that yes, there is the robot part of your brain, and that's responsible for analysis and logic and speech and and keeping track of time. But the thing is, it's designed to go offline when you're triggered or threatened or stressed out. And so for, for that, first then you go, you revert back really quick. I'm sorry, Dave, but that, then yeah, you no, revert right. back into that animal instinct, fight or flight. Correct. And, and then you're in your cat brain and you, yeah. and everybody knows you can't get a cat to do what you want. And so, <laughs> yes, it that's what takes over. And that's why we have addiction or like, you know, losing your temper or all, all of our emotional responses, all our fight or flight responses, you know, uh, it, it drives me crazy when somebody will go to a therapist, say, and the therapist is like, let's say you get into a car accident and, and it's terrifying to be in a car. And then the therapist is showing you statistics of how you're probably going to get to where you're going and how it doesn't make sense for you to be reacting this way. And the person and that you're a good driver, all this stuff. Well, that's all appealing to the robot part of your brain. And what I say is that the robot has absolutely nothing to do with PTSD. Oh, that's interesting. And wow. <laughs> and so the book, David's book for the listeners out there, your brain is a robo cat, how to finally understand your trauma response. So that'll be linked up in the show notes. We talked about uh, talk therapy and how it actually makes it worse. But I, how do you love somebody, Dave? I mean, you're, you're married. You mentioned you have a wife. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, divorced, which is maybe that's the reason I had, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, how do, you, how do you love somebody that's going through challenges? How do you love somebody that's dealing with, you know, PTSD? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, you, I think the, the number one thing you have to do is realize that your, your ability to help them or to change them is limited. So as a psychologist, I've had to learn that. I mean, you know, you, in order to do that, you have to cross the line back and forth. I've tried too hard with my patients. I've tried too little with my patients. And then you find out, you know, what can you do and what can you, can you not do? And of course, if, if somebody's going through like a PTSD, it can certainly help for you to illustrate the problem. So the more that you know about it, the better. And the, and the more that you can really try to, just empathize and just say, oh, that really must suck. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times people think that they need to be the, the voice of positivity. And well, yeah, but count your blessings. And yeah, sure, life sucks for you, but you got all this going on and, and stuff like that. But you know what happens is if you hold the positive side, they're they're going to hold the negative side. Yeah. So and this this is another book I want to write, actually. But um it's it's a social psychology phenomenon whereas like let me just give you an example like my uncle was dying from cancer and my my cousin went to see him and she was like he you know he looked terrible and she was like yeah but dad the red sox won and the sun's out and like you know like and he's like i'm freaking dying over here what if she had come to him and said you know like i am so upset i can't imagine life without you this is terrible or whatever he'd probably try to cheer her up uh, that's interesting. So Isn't they, that, crazy? It, it, that is crazy. And so it's, you're, you're right. I mean, you, it's like a psych, big, huge psychological component with this. Well, I see her, I've got to cheer her up. Wow. Yeah. So I, I've had 
like I've done couples therapy where the wife, for example, is trying to hold the positive side for the husband. The husband, all he really wants is just for somebody to be like, yeah, it does suck. It really must suck to be you. And and like, so I, my mom was crazy. That's, what, that's another reason why I became a psychologist. And so she, I would always be trying to cheer her up. And she's like, yeah, but my life sucks and I had a stroke and all this stuff. Then yeah, as an experiment, Pat, I would say like, you know, it must be so hard for you to go to the bathroom. She's like, well, yeah, but I can still do it. You so know, so, so, yeah, so you're changing it on them. Yeah, you're flipping it on them. And, and that's that's amazing. I mean, you're flipping on them, on them because then they start looking without even realizing it. That they're yeah. actually yeah, looking on the, looking on the brighter side of things. Right. Wow. So and and you know it's of course you're not being disingenuous. You do mean no what no you're no saying. yeah like, of course yeah. It, so so I I think the best thing you can do for somebody who has PTSD is to really just to say to admit yeah this really does stink. I wish I could put myself in your shoes. I wish I could understand what you're going through. I'm trying to be as patient as I can. Of course, they're accountable too for their actions. I mean, like, you know, like you can't, you're not taking anybody off the hook, but if you can realize that you're not trying to save them, you're not trying to talk them out of what they have going on. And um, yeah, it, it, you're just not making them feel guilty for being the way that they are. Trust me, they're trying as hard as they can to be healthy because, you know, you run out of things to say, yeah, right? Yeah. Like I've had people tell me like, maybe you want to be fucked up. And then I'm thinking like, maybe I do. And that's a <laughs> terrible feeling. <laughs> well, no, you're, 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 you're right. Because some people, they want to be in that state, whether they know it or not. You know what I mean? Like subconsciously, they want to be there. Well, and, and when you're when you're really hurting, you're asking yourself, why am I like this? Yeah. And your and your robot brain is going to give you answers. It's very literal. It's your robot brain's gonna be like, Oh no, you're not fucked up, you're special. Your yeah. robot brain is gonna come up with a long list of why you're fucked up. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so that's not really the best question to ask. Um, the best question would be, you know, what can I do about this or or how you know what is going on for me? And you know, man, the reason I wrote that book is because over time I was desperate for answers of why I was the way I was. And I ended up coming up with negative explanations and I ended up hating myself. Yeah. And I think that can really happen before you even know it. You're blaming yourself for everything. You hate yourself. And so I wrote this book to explain that, no, this is actually what's happening for you. It's not your fault. You didn't choose it, but, and now you have to do something about it, but at least now, you know, now, do you, do you, do you believe, Dave, that, you know, what you, because I'm a big believer, me personally, that there's so much power in, in thought, you know, in, in, in uh, like law of attraction. I, I really do. I never was, I, I never was like this. And maybe it's because I received treatment a couple of years ago, but I start looking like we were talking about, uh, sure, there's a lot of shit in my life that I wish it wasn't there, but I start looking at the positive. I always try to find the positive now. And, and it just kind of helps me look at things in a different way than in being negative all the time. And I really believe in the power of the law of attraction. Like what I put out there, I'm going to get back. If I think my life sucks, guess what? That's what I'm going to get in return. It's almost like I'm willing that to me. You know what I mean? I mean, just we're all, I, totally. I, I just think we're all energy and we give off a vibe and, you know, we're like magnets, dude. I mean, whatever we put out there, we're going to get back. 
I'm not saying that's going to make everything in your world, you know, you know, sunshine and lollipops and all your problems go away, but it has helped me a lot, you know, just the being positive, you know, yeah, life might be challenging, but if you look at it, if you look at it, a learning opportunity and you can grow and you try to be optimistic in my life, that's helped. I, yes, I definitely uh, am attracted to that. <laughs> Uh, and and when I learned it, it it kind of changed my life. Yeah. Uh, you know, like when I saw that movie, The Secret, and then oh, it's amazing about it. It's stuff amazing like that. I do think that it doesn't apply a hundred percent of the time, and I and so that's it. It's a little more nuanced. So like for me, I would I might see something on Facebook where somebody says you can't con- you you can't control what's happening in life, but you can, you can control your reaction to it. And that used to make me actually feel worse because I think oftentimes you cannot control your initial reaction to something. And that's your cat brain. That's your fight or flight brain. Like if you have PTSD and you get triggered, you, you have no say over yeah, what's yeah, happening. It's just, you're, it's just taken yeah. over. But I mean, the, the whole field of um, positive psychology is great. Optimism is great. Happy people have a less accurate picture of life than depressed people. Did you know that? Happy people, what? So, yeah, depressed people have a more accurate picture of reality than happy people do. Oh, wow. I could see that now that I think about it. And when I met my wife, like I told her, you know, I'm living at the bottom of the lake. (laughs) <laughs> and you're you're on top swimming and you're saying come up here and i'm like no i freaking live down here and 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 this is the way it is but i learned so much from her and and then of course when i had kids and everything i was just thinking about myself less which is also really good and yeah i i think that being positive is fantastic but there has to be a time to sort of grieve or to lick your wounds. And so, you know, if you do experience a loss or actually really anything that's that's sad, I, I think that would be an inappropriate time to count your Absolutely. blessings. And, okay, Absolutely. yeah, right on. Absolutely. Like I said, I mean, it, you know, I don't live in a, you know, everything can't be, you know, unicorns and rainbows all the time. You're going to have those bad days. That's just part of who we are. And But my good days overwhelmingly, outnumber my bad days now just because i've had that shift a little bit not that i don't have bad days but they're not nearly as many as i used to have when i was severely depressed you know there's there's so much inertia that comes with thinking and and yeah there's it's a it's a habit it's a pattern and if you can change that that's great um don't for the people out there don't expect to change it take medication (laughs) (laughs) i I think that's great pat i mean like you know try not to expect huge changes from yourself right away but little changes make for bigger changes and then yeah if you are having a really crappy day or um if you are grieving for example then give yourself a time limit and like okay i'll feel shitty for you know until two o'clock and then i'm gonna get up and just do something and I love what you, I love how you said that. He's give yourself a t- you know give yourself a limit. I I used to be like depressed for days, but I like how you, you said that. You know, um, if you're having a bad day, say, "All right, I'm going to give myself a couple hours or whatever to feel like shit or grieve or whatever, and then I'm going to try to be better." You know, I like that. Yeah, cool. Well, and you know, Pat, like one of the things that I I, I talk about is clean pain versus dirty pain. And so by clean pain, that's sadness and 
and really dirty pain is kind of everything else like guilt or anger or resentment or even anxiety or confusion and so if you look at it if you're living in with dirty pain let's say you're you're pissed off about something and you're thinking like oh it shouldn't be like this or should be like this or shouldn't be like that well i heard a famous psychologist albert ellis say you're shooting all over yourself <laughs> and isn't that great shoulda shoulda and, shoulda but but really if you look at it you're, you're not in reality you're you're living in a different reality like yeah. or even let's say you you some you lose somebody and you think about oh, I should have done this, or I should have helped him this way, or I should have seen this coming. Well, that's also a different reality. And people would much rather have dirty pain in a way because they have a sense of power and control, even if it's illusory. And so if you are sad instead of mad, you you do have to accept that you're powerless, but the word there is acceptance. And, yeah. and if you can accept reality, then you can move on. And so like, it's really seductive to feel all those other feelings. But I think basically, if you can learn to cultivate being sad, and of course, yeah, with time limits, and you're not going to be overwhelmed. It's not you're not going to die from from pain. But if you can be sad instead of mad, I think that that really is yeah. a, a, maybe the best tool you can have psychologically. I, I love that. And so if somebody's, you know, suffering out there, Dave, like from PTSD, is it a good idea they go to their primary? I mean, their doctor. Is it a good idea you go to your doctor and say, hey, doc, he or she, I'm suffering from PTSD? Well, you can't say no, but, you know, doctors are good people. They want to help. But when you have a hammer in your hand, everything looks like a like nail. A nail. Yeah. And they got a giant pharmaceutical hammer. And, you know, when I started doing what I was doing interviewing thousands of people, you know, I always had been aware of the downsides of medications, but I always thought, well, there must be upsides, at least for some people. And when it comes to schizophrenia or bipolar or, or other disorders, like, you know, they, you have to do meds. That's the frontline uh, treatment all the way. When it comes to PTSD, I don't think that anything out there really addresses it very well. I haven't met anybody who's really happy overall with meds for insomnia or or really that much for anxiety uh, or, or depression that much. Um, I say it can't really hurt to give it a try and your doctor should know uh, what you're going through. If you do have side effects that are really not good, then don't go with that. Try something else. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's a hundred, there's a hundred psych meds out there. Um, so, I mean, your question it's that's a great question man also when you go to your doctor you're getting your hopes up and and you're gonna be let down in my opinion pretty much i i think that um therapy can be good meds for ptsd i don't i don't think they work that's well, I, my but, opinion. Uh, yeah yeah no yeah i mean i i wouldn't you know i wouldn't go to my you know primary you know for for ptsd i mean i, I know a lot of people do but i would go to somebody like you dave and say look i, I need help with you know, <laughs> my PTSD or whatever I'm dealing with. So, um, but I know a lot of people, like I have relatives that will go to their primary, you know, their, um, you know, PHP or primary health, you know, professional, and they'll, they'll talk to their doctor. And like you said, a lot of times they'll just start, you know, subscribing all kinds of stuff, you know, that they probably don't, I, I don't know, I'm not a doctor, but it just seems like it makes the pharmaceutical company happy, you know? Yeah. I, I'm, 
the U.S. has five percent of the world's population. We take like maybe ninety percent of the oh. psych meds out there. I mean, yeah, it's crazy, and yeah. we're not that happy compared to other countries, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think that, from my perspective, I don't think that's a great way to go. And then, you know, like therapy can be good. Exposure therapy or prolonged exposure therapy. Are you familiar with that? I am. Yes. Personally, I think that's really excruciating and painful. And 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 so EMDR is exposure therapy, but it's sprinkled with eye movements. And there really is something to the eye movements. Yeah. So I've created what's called deadrenalization. And it does use eye movements. You do remember the trauma, and you, but you don't have to talk about it if you yeah. don't want to. And it's really kind of miraculous. I mean, I didn't come on the show to, to you know, plug myself necessarily, but I just want to tell people like if you, if you're doing exposure therapy and like you know, like for a veteran, they recreate the battlefield and you're shooting that kid again and again and again. Yeah. I mean, that's gonna fuck you up, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I I've, I know people who've who've escaped from the therapy, like jumping out of windows to get out of the therapy because it was so painful. And then talk therapy can can end up being exposure therapy if you are going over the same stuff again yeah, and again and again. Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, EMDR can be okay, but if you get a chance to look up deadrenalization or even uh, there's the only other one that I uh, recommend to people is it's called accelerated resolution therapy. It's they're both super quick and painless and it's- Well, I've heard of uh, RRT or rapid resolu resolution training. It's the same thing, right? You know, I think there is an RRT, but I, uh, that's different. ART. Okay. Oh, ART. Okay. I've yeah, heard of that. ART. That's a bad acronym. I used to have people calling me and saying like, what are we going to draw pictures or something? But <laughs> are your name Art? <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm Art. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Excel, if you guys get a chance to look up accelerated resolution therapy, there's thousands of people out there who take insurance, they're in your state. Um, or if you wanted to see me, I'd be happy to do that. I do absolutely. it online and, and mine's called Realizations. Absolutely. Uh, if I could just, you mind Go ahead. I just gave you a super quick uh, example so like you know as a first responder there's certain things that just stick with you like images or like feelings or whatever and you can't do anything about it um a couple years ago my my stepson passed away he was 19 and he Sorry, had a heart yeah. condition we didn't know about and so i found him in his bed and you know i just couldn't get those images out of my head for days i mean like and i was just you know that, that guy just staring in space and people are talking to me and i, I could i just was you know totally messed up and so i did this therapy and i was able to replace the imagery and replace the pain and what you do is you it's it's called memory reconsolidation if you guys want to look that up but i pretended something else happened i pretended that he went off to college and then you know he's going to come back someday but he's doing great out there and it took and so of course i still have my grief process i have my clean pain that i need to um to process but yeah all the images are gone and, and and this works for everybody. Like you, you can just get rid of stuff. It's really crazy, and people That's can't amazing. believe it. That's amazing. That's amazing, <laughs> Doctor David Bonanno, sir. Where can people find you? I got your stuff in front of me, but I'd love to for people to you know hear from you. Your website. Uh, where can they find your book and learn more about uh, uh, de-adrenalizing? 
Great. So yeah, um, if you were to look for the book, you can just type in RoboCat book and on Amazon, that'll come up. Um, you can look me up on my website. And of course, there's links to everything from there, which is doctor spelled out and then bonano.com. So now you're Italian, you can appreciate this. The way to remember how to spell it is you you linger over the two ends. So it's B-O-N-A-N-N-O, Bonanno. 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 <laughs> David, you're awesome, brother. Thank you for coming on the show, man. And uh, oh, talking. Man, it's, it's so very, very, very informative. And uh, I love what we talked about as far as dirty pain and uh, different types of pain. That's amazing i love it oh, yeah I, this is great pat you're you're great too and anytime you want to have me back I'd, I'd, be I'd love to have you back i'd love to have <laughs> you back brother stay tuned folks part two coming up dr david banano thank awesome. you brother appreciate it have a great thank day you. and i will talk with you soon all right great thanks such a great show with dr david banano if you love the audio of this podcast check out the cj evolution podcast youtube channel links are in the show notes